What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Sitting with Sean. Extraordinary episode number 15 brought to you by the Antisocial Network. Today I have an awesome guest, but before I go into it, that intro song, there's a lot going on in that shit, isn't there, Scotty? It's fun though, man. I was sitting here like, oh yeah, all right, there we go. It's fun. Like a little yeah, I- jazzy number, man. I was like yeah. it. Right, dude. Like I always sit there and I think, man, that sounds like a late night talk show intro song. It does. It really does. Yeah, sounds like I want to throw my pants off and go sit in the sit on the couch. <laughs> get get strange. Hey, well, there you go. Ah, uh, but today we got a really special guest. Today we have veteran and up and coming music artist Scotty Hastings. How are you doing, Scotty? Good, man. How are you? Ah, dude, it's another day in, in paradise. Absolutely. It's another day to be alive, another great day. Absolutely. And it's also good to see another person with a beard. Right? Honestly. You know. Yeah, no, I got I got out of the military and I was like, I'm not shaving ever again. Never again. I don't, I don't care what to say. I'm not shaving ever again. I did it one time and my ex-wife looked at me and she started crying. She's like, put that hair back on your face for sure i don't even remember what i look like now when i see like pictures of me without a beard i'm like who the hell is that guy who is that guy who are you who are you you look like you're up to no good i know right (laughs) all right scotty would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself yeah uh my name's scotty hasting i'm a combat wounded army infantryman um turned singer songwriter and recording artist here in nashville um yeah been uh been doing it for a while now so yeah loving it yeah i see i seen your episode with uh with jukebox and i was like man i gotta talk to him yeah yeah jukebox is a good guy yeah yeah he's the dude he's the one that got me into podcasting man oh really awesome yeah it's great yeah i did i did a show with him one of his his you know um Clash of the Casters. Yeah. And afterwards, I was like, man, I had so much fun. And he was like, you should get a show. You have the voice for it. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, hey, do it now. man. That's awesome. Yeah. He was like, do it now. And I was like, touche. <laughs> All right. Fine. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. He he coached, mentored, and trained me like awesome. until, until I could walk on my own. And yeah, I've been doing this for almost a year now. Wow, man. Congrats. That's crazy. That's Thanks. awesome. Yeah, it's 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 enjoyable. I, I love Jukebox. Great guy. Good people. Good people for sure. Yes. Yeah, I'm in a uh I'm in I'm in a NASCAR uh league with him. Like a uh fantasy league. Nice. Yeah, yeah. he had, he asked me to be a part of that and I was like, I don't know enough about NASCAR to get I don't know anything NASCAR. about NASCAR, but I was like, dude, sure. Like, why not? I'll 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 do it. I don't care. Okay. I don't know. Not. I don't know anything about NASCAR. Like, I don't even remember the last time I watched a race, but I'll do it. The last time I watched a race, everybody hated Jeff Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Gordon was the man, though. He was. He was. He could, after Earnhardt died, after Senior died, he was the man. For sure. And Tony Stewart. Everyone did hate Jeff Gordon, though. I don't know why, man. Why did everyone hate Jeff Gordon so much? I think because he he enunciated his words. Really, honestly, he didn't have he didn't sound like this all the time. That's no, he didn't sound he didn't sound like he was gonna go get a PBR. So funny. I don't know. Everyone hated on him, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, man, how's the weather in Nashville? 
Man, it's bipolar as hell, man. Um, it's warm now, but, you know, in the next couple of days, it'll probably be freezing again. Um, but, yeah, no, it's actually right now it's nice. It's like 70-something degrees right now. But, nice. yeah. It, but and then and who knows, man? Tomorrow it could be raining and cold. And I mean, who the hell knows, man? Around this time in Nashville, like in Tennessee, like you never know what the weather's actually going to be like. Like I feel like weather the weather people like on the new the you know the meteorologists are just like ah we're just gonna throw it up somewhere and like maybe it'll be warm you know like, it could be warm who knows really yeah. yeah is that is that weird weather yeah that is it really is uh it takes a toll on your voice if you're a singer and stuff so man oh really yeah absolutely yeah going from like being hot to being cold to being dry to being humid i mean it's all of that messes with your vocal cords oh yeah okay that does make sense now makes a lot of sense yeah man i'm in west virginia and like last week it was like 75 and sunny and i was like holy shit i'm so happy i moved back here (laughs) and then it started raining and they're calling for snow later on this week it's crazy man make up your mind mother honestly figure it out Figure it out. I want an early goddamn summer. For real. Figure it out, but make sure you figure it out when it's warm. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So what is it about Nashville that that had you like, I want to move there? Um, You know, it's funny. I actually, um, so when I was getting out of the military from Fort Cam- from Fort Riley um, in Kansas, a lot of my guys were coming to Fort Campbell, which is right down the road from Nashville. And um I was like, man, I'm getting out of the military. Like, I'm getting medically retired. Like, I'm just gonna go to. Like, I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna hang out, follow you all out there. And uh, then um, got here, and honestly, I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the city of Nashville, the history that's out here. Um, it's just that it, there's no place like it. I mean, everyone's super nice. Like the the songwriter community and the just the, the communities that you can be within here in Nashville are all super amazing. All the people are great. Um, and I was like, man, this is this is where I need to be. Um, fell in love with it, and then I knew that I this is where this is where I was going to settle down. So I stayed. Yeah, I, then music came to be a thing, and now it's like, um, thank God I was already here. Because yeah, because I would have been moving here, so it works yeah, no, out. No doubt, dude. When I was there, I absolutely fell in love with it. It, I, you know, I, I, I say this, but I don't say it lightly. Nashville's my favorite city in the whole country. But agreed, like no joke, because there's yeah. so much culture around there. Uh, it, it's just amazing. Yeah, you know, I, I went to that that conference I was telling you about. I got to see Warren Treaty perform. That yeah. was amazing, and I got to see Leslie Nelson before he died. Yeah, it's awesome. That was crazy. And then and then just you know, I'm a person where like if I go, I'm gonna go for the food. Yeah, as well as as dude. And there's so much good food around there. Oh yeah, we we got great food, especially if you like shit fried. We got you covered. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, man, it's just, there's just something about the people out here, man. The people that are actually like from Nashville. Um, there's just something about you know that that little bit of southern charm. And you know, Nashville is still, I mean, it's a huge city, but when you're within like different communities, like the songwriter community, and um, like within the music industry and the music community in general, Nashville feels very, very small. Like everyone knows everybody, so you get that feeling of it being a small town. When in all actuality, it's 
ginormous. I mean, uh, Nashville is huge. It's the one of the biggest tourist destinations in the country. So, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy big, but very small feeling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I only got to see like Opryland. And then over where the Titans played at, I didn't get to see the full extent of it. And oh, yeah. the next time I come, I'm gonna be like, "Oh, let's put the shoes on. We're gonna go. We're gonna go." Explore. Absolutely. There's so there's so much in Nashville and around Nashville. So much history within that area that you, I mean, you could take a good weekend and miss a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I know that there's a 173rd reunion coming up there mm-hmm. um, at the end of May. Oh hell yeah. Might try and jump on that. Uh, it's pretty fun. Pretty fun. If you come stuff. down, you gotta come down to the show, though. Yes. Deal. Yes. Definitely. Because we'll I play, I play on Broadway, so. Oh, uh, do you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, I will. I will definitely come to a show. Hell yeah! Perfect. So let's get into it, man. Where'd you grow up at? Uh, I grew up in Northern Kentucky, right on the other side of Cincinnati. Um, nice. And. Uh, yeah, between so between like the Cincinnati area into Kentucky is where I grew up. My mom lived in Ohio on the other on like on one side of the Ohio River. My dad lived on the other side in Kentucky on the Ohio River. And uh, yeah, between mm. my mom and my dad, we were in and out of the Cincinnati area a lot. Nice, nice yeah. man. Yeah, I've been I've been through that area. My dad was a truck driver, so I've been. Oh yeah, and everywhere. Yeah, my my dad drove trucks for FedEx for a while. So yeah, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, my dad's been like every every company you could think of, like Smith, like any you you th- you throw a ball at a truck and he's probably driven for for that company. Um, maybe. Yeah, he's yeah. That's, that's something crazy. Else. That's awesome. But anyways, man, uh, what 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 made you want to join the the army? Um, you know, it was it was just something I felt like I needed to do. Um, I had wanted to join for a long time. Um, and I kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And uh, I started playing baseball and started making money playing baseball. And then I one day realized that I wasn't making any money playing baseball. And I had a family to afford and I needed to I needed to do something else. And, I, I, you know, and the person that I was with at the time was like, well, then do it. Like, if this is something you want to do, then do it. And I was like, well, all right. So. I uh, decided at 21 years old that I would join the military. And uh, when I got out, when I got into basic training, I was the old man, which is crazy to think when you're 21 years old, you're the old man in basic training. Um, But yeah, I was, I was, I was the responsible one. I was in basic training uh, because I mean, you're surrounded by 18, 19 year olds. Uh, We had one like kid that was 17. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and in basic training is where you meet all the idiots. Yeah. Like, what made what made you choose infantry? Um, so in my eyes, no, no offense to anybody who was not infantry. In my eyes, um, a soldier is someone who's fighting, right? You know, I, in my eyes, when when I think about a soldier, when I think about being a soldier and doing soldier things, it was going and fighting, and that was literally it. So when I went there, because they they gave me so many options. Uh, other things that I could do, you know, like MP, diff- different things that I could do throughout the military. And I was like, no, like I want to do infantry. Like that's all I want to do. And uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, in my eyes, what I wanted to do was I wanted to fight. So the best way that I could do that was to join the infantry. And then I'm an idiot because when I got to basic training, I found out that there was a freaking signing bonus 
for infantry, but I was so like gung ho about going infantry that I didn't even think about a damn signing bonus. But then I get there and I'm hearing all these like 18 year old kids like, yeah, I got this you know, $25,000 signing bonus. And I'm like, what? Hold on. <laughs> well, that was never an option. I know the problem is I came in too ready and gung ho about being an infantryman that I should have been like, I don't know. And then have the, have the, uh, the recruiter be like, well, we can get your signing bonus. And be like, oh my God. Yeah. That's what I'd love to do. That's crazy. It's gonna, it's gonna change my life. Absolutely. Wow. I was gonna do this, but since you're gonna offer signing bonus, <laughs> right? Wow. That's what that's what happened to me. Um, so I signed on as a fister, and they were like, and, and I get to basic, and a bunch of dudes, well, AIT, and a bunch of dudes are like, oh, you know, we got forty thousand dollars sign on bonus. I was like, what? Crazy. You got a sign on bonus? What the fuck? I was so upset. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. When I when these like eighteen year old kids, I'm twenty one. These eighteen year old kids are like, yeah, you know what? What did you get for your signing bonus? And I was like, we talking about? <laughs> eighteen year old kids are smarter than me. And then you know, seeing them in basic training, you're like, these kids are idiots, man. Like, how do they make? How do they make it this far in life? And yet they're the ones that are making more money than me because they got a damn sign on bonus. Right? Um, were you in that? Were you in the era where it was? I, I, well, I guess it's still OSA. Were you in OSA? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was like one of the first, um, probably one of the first couple classes that started that, especially for the infantry side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so what did OSA look like for you guys? Was it just like pretty much like you guys went to a different phase at the end of like- Yeah, it was literally staying in the same place, doing the same shit. You just went into different phases. So there were like four different phases. Um, I think it was like red- blue i think it was like red blue and white i think if i'm if i'm not mistaken but anyways uh yeah like the you you just went through different phases you went through like the phase of like we're gonna break you down and that's all we're gonna do is break you down and then there's like the phase of okay we're gonna start building you up a little bit and then there's the phase of okay now you've gotten to where you're a soldier so we're gonna teach you how to be an infantryman so yeah it was like a whole it was basically training was the easiest thing ever i mean it was hard physically but to pass through basic training and to get through basic training is super easy, man. You just listen, oh, yeah. you just do what you're told. Like literally right. that's it. And you, you'll, you'll get through it. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, man, that's tough. And I was like, man, I'll, I would go back. Like it was, it was easy. Dude. Like, you know how easy that was? Oh, everything else just disappeared. You just had to listen to world. Like you had to listen to people telling you what to do and then do it. And that's, that's literally how you, how you got through. Like yeah. shit, that's easy. All right. Yeah. It's easy as hell. I, I would I would say airborne school was more challenging than than yeah. basic was. I would agree. I, I didn't go to airborne school, but I've heard about it, so I would definitely say it's definitely more challenging. Oh yeah. So you get to you you get assigned to Fort Riley. Yep. Okay. How 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 often or uh, when was your first deployment? So get to Fort Riley, and as soon as we check in, they're like, "Hey, you know we're uh we're getting ready to deploy, right?" And I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, they're like, yeah. You know, I was like, man, I, I have a family. Like, I need to get my family here. Like, I got to get them set like set up. And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be time for that. And it was like literally like three weeks, maybe four weeks. And we were in Afghanistan. <laughs> it was yes. like, damn. Okay, sweet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, went, went for basic training, got to Fort Riley for a little bit, got time to – really meet everybody and talk to them and really get to know them and, you know, form bonds. And then 
next thing you know, we're headed out. Um, you know, got a little bit of training and stuff like that, but then yeah, we're we're heading out. Mm. Um, where in, where in Afghanistan did you guys go? Uh, Kandahar province. So oh, we nice. went into Kandahar airfield. Um, stayed there for like a like a week, I think. Um, and then we went out to um, see a Choi. Well, Sabulge is what it was then, but um, it's the Zari district of. I've Kandahar. been there. Yeah, and uh, so we. Uh, yeah, we went out to the cop out there and just did what we did. No running water. It was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What year was that? Uh, 11 and 12. Mm. We, we, I'm pretty sure we relieved you guys in 12. Really? Yeah. Well, I wasn't there. I, I was, I was back in the States after getting shot. So unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into that, man. What, what happened? So, uh, April 21st, 2011. Um, we were on patrol going to suspected bomb, suspected bomb makers um, little hut. And uh, yeah, we were, we were just on patrol headed that direction and um, came up on this little, this little Creek bed. And uh, we we're trying to figure out which way we wanted to go. Um, and uh, while we were trying to figure it out, while the LT was looking at the, looking at the map and trying to figure out which direction we needed to head in because we, you know, in, in Afghanistan, like you don't want to, you don't want to move in the same direction for very long. You don't want to become predictable. Once you're predictable, then the enemy can set up ambushes and people can get, yeah, killed. Um, so we, you know, you, we try to be as unpredictable as predictable as possible so we were trying we knew that we were walking in the same direction for a while so we knew we needed to go left right um maybe go back a little bit and come back around we, we had to we had to throw it up, throw them off a little bit um so we decided to go a little bit more left um but while we were sitting there there was like this old guy that was walking around in this hut and he was kind of just trying to figure out what we're doing, just like every person in Afghanistan. They're they're always trying to see what the hell we're doing, what what we're what we're gonna do next, stuff like that. Um, because everyone looks at you like you don't belong. I mean, literally, I mean that that's the look you get every single time you talk to somebody, um, or you see somebody over there. And um, so this the older guy kept walking around like he he would he would come around his hut to the back of it and kind of see us and stand there for a second. And then walk back around his little hut and then come back around like 10 minutes later and see us and then walk back around. Like you could you could tell that he was trying to figure out what we were doing, like more so than anybody else. Like because yeah. normally people look at you and then they're like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And then they go on with their life. They don't continue to come out and see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I made, you know, everyone became aware of of that guy um, pretty quickly. And um then we started heading like the way that we started heading was literally right by his hut. Um, so whenever we were walking by his hut, we had to jump over this wall and go, you know, cause in Afghanistan, again, you're trying to be unpredictable. So you're jumping over walls. You're, you're climbing out, like literally climbing over eight foot walls and stuff. Like it's crazy. Um, so we decided to jump over this wall and go into this little, it's a road for them, but for us, it's a sidewalk. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so it goes right, literally right in front of his hut. So as soon as we get just in front of his hut, I turn back to my guys and I'm like, hey, that old guy disappeared. Like something's about to kick off. Like be ready. I was in front of everybody. Um, I had the Valen, the metal detector mm -hmm. that we carried over there. 
Um, so I had to Valen. I realized that that old dude has disappeared. And usually when people disappear, that's a bad thing. Shit's about to kick off. Um, so he disappeared. I turned around and I said, hey, keep your eyes open. This dude has gone. The old dude's gone. And as soon as I turn around, I see a guy to my right. I see him move real quick and out of the corner of my eye. And I kind of look at him and he looks at me. And then I go back to doing what I was doing. And I see him move really quick, like a real sudden movement. And I'm like, what the heck? So I go to square up on him. By the time I squared up on him, he already he had already pulled a weapon from behind his back and started spraying. Um, he hit me four times or once in the thigh, four times in the hip, and five times in the shoulder. Mm. Uh, it kind of just went up my body this way. So, God damn. Yeah, from left to right. Mm, what was that instant feeling? Um, It's... It's kind of like what you think, what you would think a, like making, putting a hot poker, like a fire poker, putting that in the fire and letting it get red and then slowly pushing it through your skin. That's kind of what it, you, it would, I could equate what that would feel like for someone to think about it. Um, luckily, eventually my, um, you know, my adrenaline kicked in. So I didn't feel a whole lot of pain after that. So I felt I felt the rounds go through. I felt that. Um, the craziest part is the the smell of your own flesh burning. That's the weirdest part. Um, but eventually, my you know it, adrenaline kicked in, and I stopped really feeling um, the pain. And uh, then it was more like trying to figure out what the heck was wrong. Like why why am I here? Um, so when when I fell. The guy, I guess his weapon jammed because he was sitting there trying to mess with his weapon. Um, so I noticed that he was messing with his weapon and jam his his weapon and jam. So I grabbed my weapon real quick and basically pointed it at him. And he took notice that I was pointing my weapon at him and he took off running. Uh, so I tried to fire. And when I tried to fire, I couldn't fire because there was a round that had gone through the weapon. Um, through the upper receiver on an M4 and it actually like welded another round into the chamber. So when I tried to fire, there was no firing mechanism because it was shot out. So mm -hmm. there was no way to do it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I guess just me, just me pointing my weapon at him. He thought that I was going to shoot him back. So he took off. Um, and then it was just after that, it was trying to figure out, am, am I going to be able to get to the medic or is the medic coming to me? I didn't realize how bad it was. You know, I knew that I was hurt. I knew that I was definitely shot. Um, I just needed to figure out, like, I need to figure out how to get to my medic. There was only one way that I could do it. Um, I tried to, and I was not moving, <laughs> man. I, I, try, I tried to, and nothing worked. Um, my, you know, my hand. So, when I got shot because it was in the brachial plexus where like all your nerves meet, my initial feeling was like, you know, when, when you hit your elbow on something and it like really like tingles really badly, um, yeah. it was that, but on steroids, um, it was, it was that feeling, but amplified. I mean, it was like really bad and it was all in my hand, all down my arm everywhere. Um, and then, so I went to go to kind of like, try to scoop myself up to the medic because they were getting shot at the same time I was getting shot at because me getting shot was like this whole start of a, of a, uh, and 
they uh, ambush and it was like it was it was a whole oh man it was a whole fucking scene there for a little bit yeah um so i'm trying to i'm trying to like crawl over to him but i can't get to him because of it so he just takes off running man just takes off running to me um which is crazy because like so where we were they were pinned down because they were getting shot at and then they were scared to come to where i was at because i just got shot so they were freaking out thinking that there was another team over here shooting at me um but then yeah once once i you know let them know that hey you know he's gone he took off running he took off running in this direction um my buddy fant threw a grenade into his chest with his uh you know his, his 203 it was great um he, he he got a lot worse than i did um, pink mist absolutely 100 percent um and uh so yeah one, once they realized that i couldn't move the the medic decided screw it and just took off running um and mm. grabbed me up and that's when he started like performing everything on me and that's when that's when i realized how bad it actually was um because that he was he was like you could just see it in his face you know like like we we had been we had been in some combat before we had seen some stuff we'd had people get hurt um but never like that and you could see it on his face that there there like there was not a very good chance for me um so he he started working on me blah 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 you know all my guys started running up to me and trying to help out after the ambush was over the ambush didn't last very long but it felt like forever um but yeah they all they all ran out they're pulling security and he was work they were all working on me stuff like that um and then at some point I had lost so much blood that my eyesight actually shut down. Um, I only saw white. Um, wow. A lot of talking before, um, you know, talking to p- other people and stuff like that. You know, this is my idea of like what people say when they see the light. You know, this is this is what I think. Like this is what I what I would think that that would be. Um, you know, you lose so much blood that your eyesight shuts down and it's just like white film almost. Um, which is where I was at. And, uh, but I was still very much alert. I was able to talk. I was able to hear, um, everything. I just couldn't see. Um, but my way of kind of doing, you know, in, in basic training and in all your training that you go through, you know, they talk about how shock is like the number one killer for, for combat injuries. If you, if you have a combat injury and you go into shock, more than likely you're going to die. Um, so my, my thought was to try to not go into shock. And it was, it was really just a lot of like talking and cutting up and trying to ch- tell jokes and really just, you know, trying to keep it live, live, like lively, even though I know that this is a fucking crazy, crazy time right yeah. now. Um, just trying to, you know, keep it live, keep, keep us, keep, keep them entertained and me entertained and really not trying to think about what the hell's going on. Because the more, the more I started thinking about it, the more I knew that I was at risk of going into the shock. And if that happened, I was dead. There was no doubt about it. And more so keeping you alive. That's yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and you know, that that's really what it was all about was just really just doing everything that I could to not, to not freak out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, then uh, like 40 minutes later, the uh, bird finally shows up and I get, in the helicopter and we go to kandahar airfield mm. yeah um when i get in kandahar airfield like i'm still i'm still alert for all this i'm still you know wide awake for it all uh when we get to kandahar airfield we land 
and I get brought directly into like their trauma bays and all that. Um, and immediately they start putting me on blood. They start shifting blood into my system, back into my system. Um, and uh, when that happens, my eyesight starts coming back. And I was like, man, I can, I, I can start, like I'm seeing, I can see, I can see now. And yeah. uh, they're like, good. And then as soon as I said that, I heard a nurse whisper in my ear and she said, it's okay for you to go to sleep now. And literally I was gone. Like yeah. I passed out. Um, I remember that clear as day, man, that, that nurse saying, it's okay for you. You can go to sleep now. We got you. And I was like, boom, out. Um, and then, yeah, woke up um, probably like a day later. And uh, yeah, crazy. Mm. Crazy, crazy. And then on the way, then they asked that, you know, because we go to Lonstool, mm -hmm. um, you know, anyone who was injured in combat in Afghanistan goes through Lonstool. And uh, they, on the way to Lonstool, they had to stop in Bagram because they lost pulse in my arm because one of the arteries was actually nicked and they had missed it. Mm. So they had to do another emergency surgery where they actually took a vein out of my right leg and replaced my main artery with it. Um, which is incredible that modern medicine, you can do that because yeah. my understanding growing up in freaking anatomy class was that a vein and a, an artery are completely different things. But as it turns out, a vein will grow to be the size of a, a, what a normal, a normal artery will. So that's wow. crazy. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, get made it to Lonstool and then leaving Lonstool, I went to Walter Reed. Mm. Yeah. Damn. How was how's recovery at Walter Reed for you? Oh man, Walter Reed was awesome. Um the people there were great, the you know, the 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 staff and all the occupational therapists, um, physical therapists are amazing people. Um it was really cool because it was like where all the celebrities wanted to come to and visit all the hurt people. So we got to got to meet a UFC fighter. I got you know there were, got to meet Montel Williams, which I never thought in a million years would ever be something I would ever be able to do, but I did it. Wow. Um, yeah, I tried to meet Lieutenant Dan, but uh, unfortunately Gary Sinise came in and I like we tried to put off a surgery that I had that day because I wanted to meet him, and then it just became too late. And they're like, "Hey, we have to get you back to surgery, man. Like we don't have a choice." Mm -hmm. I was like, "Damn it, man! <laughs> I missed my opportunity. I know." <laughs> Want to meet Lieutenant Dan? I miss my God opinion. damn it. To meet Gary Sinise. It's actually funny because they're here in Nashville now. So I've reached out to him, out to them and be like, hey, you know, I missed my opportunity to meet Gary. Like, I would love to actually meet him in person. Um, but I haven't heard back. But we'll see. Man. That's... Yeah, so if anyone knows Gary Sinise, man, hook it up. You know? I think I think I got a guy that knows him. I, I just uh, it's it's something that I've wanted to do since Walter Reed, and I've never had the opportunity. So, did you hear the story about the Kawadi amputee uh, from Afghanistan, Travis Mills? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. I've he met Travis a couple times. Phenomenal human being. Absolutely. Phenomenal human being. He was he was in one of my sister units when he got injured, but apparently he knows Gary, and Gary built him his house in Maine. Really? Yeah, yeah. I know uh, a good friend of mine named Trainwreck. He had a. Uh, he had a house built by the Gary Sinise Foundation. So yeah. nice, nice. That would be an honor. <laughs> yeah, was, I just want to meet the dude, man. <laughs> yeah, right. That's yeah, but going back to see a Choi dude, that that whole area is shit. Yeah, it was it was nuts, man. I mean, we were literally taking fire every single day. Go out on patrols every other day. I mean, it was 
we, we were getting shot at every day. Literally. Yeah. Um, we were, you know, it, it was, it was a hard fight. We fought a lot. Yeah. I, we did, we did a route clearing mission out there when we took over and I lost my best friend to an IED out there. Yeah. And it was just shit. And like, I've, you know, our, you know, we, we did a lot of, of, of recon and stuff like that, but we were also like route, route clearance for other units coming through. And dude, like I've never been on stretches of road where you couldn't travel hundred meters without finding 10 IEDs. Oh yeah. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. It's not, you know, what's crazy is we used to drive that road from there to Fob Wilson every Mm -hmm. day for dinner to get a hot, to to get hot dinner. We would wait till the route clearance vehicles came through and then we would basically follow them right after (laughs) <laughs> and that was that was how we knew it was dinner time because the route clearance vehicles would come through and do like the route clearance and then we would take off right behind them. <laughs> and, and like you were talking about like um, about, you know, climbing over walls and stuff, dude. I've never climbed higher grape rows than over there. Dude, it's crazy. I can't tell you how many pairs of pants I've went through trying to climb over grape rows, grape rows and they just completely like the whole middle just just comes comes apart like it's crazy dude um, but i mean it's and the crazy part is it's beautiful country out there man like when the poppy fields are blooming and stuff it's absolutely gorgeous you got the mountains you got i mean it's beautiful but it's just it's sketch man i mean yeah everything everything wants to kill you over there i've been through i've been through most of afghanistan I've been, you know, in, in the north, I've been in the east, and then out there in the west and southwest. I would never, if I had the option and they were like, hey, you have to go back to Afghanistan, where would you not want to go? And it would be down in the desert. Yeah, I would never, I would never want to go back to, I, I would never, I think I would, if, if I, if they asked me where to go, I would never go back south. No. Never. I'd be like, no, you, I mean, I would rather go north or even, even east, dude. Send me east. Yeah. Do not put me back in the South. That no. is, is sketch out there, man. Yeah. Everybody, everybody asks what, what deployment was my worst. And I always try to say, oh, none is, is any better than the other one. But that third one that I was on, which was down there, fucking never again. Worst. Yeah, Hands it was, it was a lot. We we fought hard out there, man. Yeah, it's a different fight, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. It, and, and it's everything that they tell you that it is. You just don't really mm-hmm. listen to it, right? They they say, oh, it's it's an IED followed mm-hmm. by a follow-on. And yep. it's like you don't listen to that when you're in, you know, in your debriefs and that, or when you're in your, you know, in-processing briefs in a country. And then, boom, yeah. you're hit with it. Yeah. Either that or, um, or it's like random fighters in grape rows hiding in grape rows. And then you get close to them and they put the AK over the top and just start spraying. Yep. Yeah. Fuck that. Nope. Sketch. Never again. Yeah. So what got you into into playing music? Um, music was actually it came later. Um originally, so I got back to Fort Riley because my guys were coming back and it literally took an act of Congress for this to happen. Um, my congressman that was out of Kentucky that I had met, he was a former ranger. I was like, listen, man, like I have to be there. When they get back, I have to be there. I have to show them that I'm okay, that I'm here, that I'm still standing, that I'm that I'm making it, that I'm doing stuff. And uh, he was like, I understand completely. He said, I, I get it. He said, we're going to make it happen. So it took him writing a letter to for them to release me from Walter Reed so that I could go um, back to Fort Riley so that I could be there when my guys got back. 
So when I got back to Fort Riley, I was there for a good couple years later because I I fought the med board process, man. I wanted I wanted to continue. I wanted to heal up and I wanted I wanted to go back into the, the infantry and continue and make a career out of it. That's what my idea was from the beginning. That's what I wanted to do now. And um, it was, you know, and then eventually they were like, listen, like we can't do this. But in between all of that, I had found adaptive sports. You know, I grew up playing playing sports. I, I'm super, super competitive. Um, you know, again, I was playing baseball before I before I joined the military. So adaptive sports and sports in general is, you know, where my heart is, is what I do. Um, so adaptive sports, they're like, here, you can try, you can try these if you want. And I was like, all right, I'll try all of them. Literally they had a list of adaptive sports and I've tried every single one of them. I mean, that was from like sitting volleyball, which was amazing to like wheelchair basketball, which I realized doesn't really work with my hand the way it is, um, because my my hand got my like, my fingers would get stuck in the the spokes of the wheelchair, and I realized really quickly that I still like my fingers and I don't want to lose them anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, to like even like there there was like God, what was it like meditation class, and which ended up being like a take a nap in the middle of the day class, um, to where. Like I would go in and people would just be snoring. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I, I'm not going to do this because, you know, I'm still in that soldier mindset of like, I'm going to push through. I'm going to continue on. Like, I'm going to stay in the military. Like I'm working out every day. Like I'm still trying to stay fit. And these freaking dudes are in there taking naps during meditation class. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't, I have to find something that I can do that will like help me move forward. Um, and, uh, Eventually, I found archery. Um, mm-hmm. Archery was something I had never tried before. Um, you know, in my eyes, archery was for hunting. So I was like, sure, I'll go. I'll go hunt. Like, I'll do that. I'll learn how to shoot archery. Um, you know, I'm naturally right-handed, but with my hand the way it is and the nerve damage, I can't feel this hand. Um, so I wanted to shoot right-handed, and I was like, yeah, man, I can shoot right-handed. I can do all this, blah, blah, blah. Well, three arrows, like, into the ceiling later, I realized that shooting right-handed is not going to happen. So the archery coach was basically like, listen, you have to stop. You can't do this. You're 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 a safety risk, blah, blah, blah. And I went back home later that, like, like afterwards, and I was like, man, I'm going to figure this out. You know, I'm way too hard-headed to just be told that I can't do it. I'm, I'm going to figure it out, or I'm going to completely fail. Um so I was like, well, what about left-handed? Like, what if I tried to shoot left-handed? Could I, you think I could do that? And uh, he was like, well, we can give it a shot because this hand just kind of sits there so I can hold on bow and do that. Um, tried it once, fell in love with it, and did it all the time. Um, it became like an outlet for me, a little escape for me. And I got good enough to the point of where I got recruited for the U.S. Paralympic program. Um, and shot with the U.S. Paralympic program. Uh, still, am technically part of the U.S. Paralympic program. Um, but when COVID hit and archery stopped, um, I needed something to do. You know, you know, for the the problem with um, the biggest issue for us as not only as veterans but as combat vets who have seen and done things that we don't like to talk about and that still haunt us is when it's quiet that's when all the crazy thoughts and all the bad stuff comes out, yeah. right? So we need to find something that takes over uh, everything, 
Um, for me, it was archery and then, you know, archery stopped because of COVID. So I needed something else. Um, and in the corner of my room, I always had a guitar sitting there and I was like, you know, I bet you I can learn how to play this. Like I've never, I've never let anything, you know, stop me from being able to do something, even with my injury, the way it is, I've never let anything stop me. So what, what, why not? Why not learn this? Um, jumped on YouTube, man, a deep dove into learning how to play the guitar. I learned uh, G C E minor and D and I learned how to use a capo. And I was like, I can play anything. Um, <laughs> I'm a musical God. Yes. I am a guitar God. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, learned that. Um, and then, you know, it slowly, it started, other things started taking over as well. So with, with playing the guitar, I also wanted to write songs. I, I mm -hmm. wanted I wanted to learn how to do that. Like I wanted I wanted to figure out. Like I've I've always fallen in love with all these songs, and I thought, you know, I have a pretty good story. You know, maybe I could, maybe I could write something and put my my story out there. Um, mm -hmm. So I started writing. I started writing songs with what I knew, the G C D minor and D, and I started throwing different melodies together and. It's funny. I wrote a lot of songs based. So when I write a song, I write a song off of a melody. So I'll write something. I'm like, man, that sounds really pretty. Or that sounds really good. Like, I bet you I can write to that. And then I write to it. Um, there's a lot of people that write differently, but that's kind of how I do it. Um, but uh, I, I started writing songs and then I wanted to do more. I was like, man, I'm gonna. I've I've started learning these songs that I grew up listening to. Um, you know, I, I've written a couple songs. I did, uh, and I was like, I want to do more. Like, I want to get in front of people and see what they think. Like, you know, it's at this point, like it's 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 become an obsession. You know, like music has become an obsession at this point, where I need to get out there and I need to see what people think about my songs or what people think about my adaptation to a cover, um, and. Uh, so I went to a I went to a open mic um, out in Cookville, Tennessee, because which is which is on the outskirts of Nashville. It's about an hour and a half from Nashville. And at the time, COVID was still, you know, pretty legit. So I had to go outside of Nashville because Nashville was a ghost town. The only way that you were able to work or do anything musically is if you went on the outskirts of Nashville. Um so I went to Cookville, Tennessee, and I went to an open mic and played one song. And that that feeling of, you know, of escape and that feeling of, you know, where all of the depression and the PTSD and all that stuff disappeared, like, I got that. But on steroids. So I was like, listen, archery was cool, and it got me to where I am, but music is what I need to do. Like, this is the feeling I've been searching for forever, you know? Mm -hmm. For me, music isn't just music. It's not just something that I do or something that, you know, I want to do to to help people, which is definitely something I want to do. Um, but it's a lot of it is for me, for my for my mental health in the sense that it's it's an escape for me that I can't find anywhere else. You know, for, for those three hours or four hours that I'm playing on stage, because that was the next step was, man, I love this. I've been on stage once. I want to be on stage all the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started bugging the hell out of people down in Nashville and everywhere else trying to figure out how to get on stage and play. And then, you know, eventually, you know, at, as, as you know, just me being who I am, I'm never going to take no for an answer. So I'm going to keep bugging you until you say yes. Um, so that's what I did. And, uh, 
you know, eventually people let me on stage in downtown Nashville. And, you know, when I'm down there for three hours, four hours, I mean, literally nothing else matters except for being in that moment. And as a combat veteran and as someone who is a veteran in general, like that's what we search for, you know, being able to have that moment where all that shit disappears. That's, that's like, you can't, you can't buy that. Like, that's incredible. Um, doesn't matter how, you know, and that's why a lot of people, a lot of veterans jump into drugs or alcohol is because when they're high, all of that disappears. So being able to find that is just incredible. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that for me is my high, you know, being on stage, being able to interact with people that are there and, you know, really just having a good time um, is really, it's, it's really, really like, it's, it's just incredible. Um, and then, you know, it's, it just kind of built after that, man. You know, it became, I, like I said, at this point, it's an obsession. Um, I've gotten to where I, I want to play and I want to do this. And, you know, I, I know that I have a good story that, you know, for, for me, you know, to be out there playing music with a bum hand, like I have, and, you know, with the story that I have, I feel like I'm able to reach an audience that not a lot of people can. Um, you know, I, I, I played a, uh, I played a writer. It, it was a TV show. Well, technically it didn't go to TV. It went to like some app, but it's called Nashville's next best of three. And it was a songwriter TV show. Um, mm -hmm. and at the finale of it, he was like, man, you don't have to play. We have a band here. You don't have to play. And I was like, no, I do have to play. Like, you don't understand. I don't play guitar because I'm an amazing ass guitarist. I play guitar because I have a disability in my hand. And for everyone out there, if you asked if someone with nerve damage in their hand that had limited movement in their hand, if you asked them if someone like that could play guitar, they would immediately say no. So anyone out there who has a similar disability or a disability in general that could possibly see me on stage, that's why I'm out here playing the guitar. Not not for because of my amazing guitar skills, because I don't have amazing guitar skills. Um <laughs> No, it's it's for the people that could be watching that could want that could be like, dude, if that guy's up there doing what he's doing, like what is stopping me from doing this or that or whatever, you know, whatever I want to do. And really, at the end of the day, that's that's what I do it for. You know, that and being able to experience that little bit of escape. Yeah, you hit on something really, uh, really profound. And, and that it sticks with me, too, is like you said, that's why veterans run to drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm instead of finding something productive and it's to take your mind away from things, dude. When I, I mean, I've kind of always lived with addiction. Uh, but when I got out, it was, it was like far worse. I, I, I mean, that, there's so, I mean, that's, that's every, like, that's so many veteran stories, man. They get out and it becomes like, it's, you know, you know, they get high once and they realize, dude, not all that shit is gone or, you know, yeah. or they get super drunk once and all that disappears. And then it's like, dude, I found it, you know? And it's just, it's because stuff like that, like drugs and alcohol, like it's easier to get than the idea of finding something like, like music or finding something where, because you know, at drugs, or alcohol, that's easy to get, right. But finding a dream or finding something that you can do that can do it. That's a lot harder. It, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And at that point, if you're hurt or you're, you know, you're really depressed or you're down, you don't want to work for it. Right. It's a yeah. lot easier just to spend some money and get rid of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 100 correct. You know, it took it took me going to jail and sitting in fucking jail and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, "Dude, what did you do with your life?" Yeah, like you used to be a goddamn paratrooper. Right? Yeah, you used to be you used to be somebody that people looked up to, and now you're looking up to people because you're a piece mm-hmm. of shit. Yeah, and and you know my like you said, my high now is helping people, dude. Like I, I absolutely love it. I get that thrill when I see somebody, when, when that light flicks on and they're absolutely. like, I get it. I understand. So absolutely. I understand completely wholeheartedly what you mean. For sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. and it's an amazing feeling, man. I mean, it just, yeah. it's, there's nothing like it. And it's so hard to describe, man. There's so many people that have asked me like to describe that feeling. And it's just, it's, it's, a you can't, like it's impossible, you know, and there's, it's, it's awesome now because like, I'm at the point in my career where like things are really starting to take off for me. Um, and I'm playing in these venues and I'm doing things that I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do. Like I, I played music at Bluebird. Um, I just opened for Dave Grohl like last weekend, I'm cutting a song with Lee Bryce. Like there's, there's things that I'm doing that are just things that I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do. And with that, comes like nerves like you know it's it, it you know it's really bad when you're so disconnected that you no longer feel right um yeah. and there for the longest time i was at that point i didn't i didn't feel anything you know i i, I felt you know I, it, I was so depressed and i was so down that the the feel literally feeling anything was not there it was gone um so now like to go to these places and be super freaking nervous where like I'm shaking or like my heart's like beating or when I go to start singing, like my voice is super shaky because I'm so nervous. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Like I haven't felt this feeling in so long. Like it's just, it's, it's really, really cool. It really well, is. On top of that, you're opening for one of the best musicians of all time. I mean, I never thought in a million years as a country guy, I'd ever <laughs> be able to open for Dave Grohl, like the lead singer for Foo Fighters. One of the most iconic freaking rock guys ever. I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do that, but, but yeah, I mean, just, just being at that event and playing that event, dude, I was so nervous. Like I could feel it. Like my heart was beating. Like I was super, I was shaky. Like my voice was shaky when I started singing. Like that's just the things I hadn't felt in a long time, man. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Nice. Nice. So who were some of your inspirations for, for music? Um, my biggest inspiration, um, Garth Brooks, man, honestly. Um, I, I still remember, um, you know, hanging out in my dad's car and putting the uh, put putting the Garth Brooks cassette on play and then mm-hmm. taking it out, flipping it over, putting it in and pushing a play again and then continuing to do that over and over again because, I mean, I just – he his music is, is truly what made me fall in love with country music. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Garth Brooks is amazing in the sense that he, he shows you – he, he showed us what country music could be, you know, in the sense that you knew that it was going to transform into something else. Like you, you had, especially at that time in the nineties, like you had, you had a lot of country that sounded the same, but it was amazing. Um, you know, in my eyes, I think the nineties was probably the best generation of country music. Yeah, um, absolutely. You had some incredible freaking country singers. Um, and I really think, you know, Garth Brooks was the king of king of the 90s, you know? I mean, to the point of where he was going overseas and playing. Like, really, he showed everyone that Garth Brooks could be a world thing, not just 
not just a, not just a U.S. thing, but it could be it could be around the world. It could be loved around the world. Um, he showed that it could be you know a little bit more edgy because some of the songs that he sings are a little bit more edgy as well as like you know you could have those funny songs. You could have songs that are just hilarious. That like uh, you know there's just there's just so many so many things in his music that showed you really like what country could be, and I, I think that idea is really something that I stuck with and really, really, you know, just grabbed me and pulled me in was the idea that country music could be so much more than it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that um, it's, it's just kind of one of those genres that can blend so well with so many different things. Um, you know, you, you have like the country rock, you have the country rap. I mean, there's so many genre sub genres within one genre. Um, okay. And now you have the Americana, which is kind of just like all of them put together into, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it, yeah. I mean, that, that's really my biggest influence um, as well as just like being in church and hearing my mom saying like the, uh, you know, the, the songs and stuff and singing the songs at church and really just, uh, just really falling in love with music all together. Really. I, I love so much music. I mean, dude, I grew up listening to Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, my man. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yep. like, pe people give me shit for that. I don't care. Good music is good music, man. If, yep. it, if it makes you, if it makes you move, that's, that's what matters, man. If it makes you feel something, that's what matters. You know, like right now, I'm huge right now on the Kelsey Ballerini just dropped an EP that mm -hmm. is a work of art, like absolutely yeah. a work of art. Um, and I mean, she is more pop country, but you know, at the end of the day, like a good story and a good song, it doesn't matter what it is. If it if it touches you, if, if you feel it, that's what matters. And that that's the type of music that I like, man. I like stuff that makes me feel feel something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people ask me all the time. You know, what kind of music are you into? I'm into music. Same. Fucking, there's no one genre that I can say I appreciate more than the other one. You know, you were talking about some of the pioneers of of country, man. Garth Brooks is one of them. Brooks and Dunn, Alan Jackson. Yeah. Dude, just Absolutely. amazing artist. 100%. Amazing People, people that transformed, you know. And and I think that's the best part about the, the 90s country era is because in the 90s, 90s, like, country was really, like, in a transformative movement in the sense that it was – it was it was bridging between so many different things um you know you had you had your you know your stereotypical country sound with with like george Strait, who for his whole career has had kind of the basic basically the same kind of sound you know he's had that yeah. that very traditional style of country music and then you have someone like garth brooks who is taking country music and just throwing it in all different different aspects of stuff um and then, you know, there was a lot of like that traditional style country stuff. And then there was, you were really starting to get really a lot of the pop stuff with, uh, you know, a lot of Faith Hill stuff. And, you know, I mean, there, there was, there, there was a lot of, it was a very transformative year for country. And I think that was why for me, it was the best time for country music because it was going, it was showing that country music could be so much more than the stereotypical country music. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So who are you listening to right now in country? Oh, dude, I listen to everybody, man. Um, God, right now, Kelsey Ballerini, man, that new EP is freaking amazing. I listen to it probably once a day. Um, 
I love her. I love her music. Period. Kelsey Ballerini is incredibly talented. Her songwriting is amazing. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt that I'm kind of talking with the same the same label that she's a part of. But um, but no, she hurt. I mean, she she can sing with the best of them. Uh, her her songwriting is incredible. This EP, like. She just got divorced, and this EP is like the epitome of every feeling she's ever felt when getting divorced. I mean, it is—it's unbelievable. Like, like I said, it's a—it's—it's it's a masterpiece, man. It's a piece of—it's a piece of art. It's incredible. Um, you know, of course, Luke Holmes. Love Luke Holmes. I love what you know the songs that he does. That you know, for for me, I like songs that tell a story. Um, when I write a song, I want to tell a story. When I listen to a song, I want to hear a story. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, country music is, it's a story. Um, it's always been a story. It always has been, it always will be, you know, again, growing up in the nineties, a lot of the country artists told stories with their songs. Um, that's what I like to do. That's what I like to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. I want to be able to, when I'm listening to the song, close my eyes and see this story unfold in front of me. Um, and, uh, you know, Luke Holmes does a lot of that. He writes a lot of stuff that you can see. You can really close your eyes and you can see it. Um, and I, I absolutely love that. Um, it's not just, you know, a, a sound and, you know, the same couple words thrown together over and over again. It's an actual story that's being unveiled in front of you. And it's it's incredible. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, Jamie Johnson is another, he's a friend of mine and it's another, I mean, his, his music is, music is amazing. Uh, in color is one of my favorite music, one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, absolutely love that song. I'll play that song. I must at every show. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Lee Bryce is, you know, he's a friend and we got a song that we're working on together and, um, his music is amazing. One of my favorite songs that he, he, um, sings is called boy and it's mm-hmm. it's an incredible song about him and his son and yeah i mean it's there's just so many there's so many great artists out there right now man it's just it's so hard to really pick to really hone in on one um but you know then again i mean i will i'll rock out with my uh you know with i'll rock out with some rock um whether it be like five finger death punch to foo fighters to I mean, I'll even rock out some Dave Matthews every once in a while. Um, oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> I still listen to the Insync Christmas album, bro. Like, I don't nice dude, music is music, man. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's cool. I, I mean, I love it. Um, you know, I'll even I'll even rock out with my girlfriend to like some Lizzo every once in a while. Mm. Like, dude, if 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 you're feeling if you're feeling something when you're listening to it, that's all I care about, man. That's at the end of the day, that's that's what it's all about, man. You know, Absolutely. as a musician and as an artist, you want people to feel, you know, some type of emotion when they listen to your song. Absolutely. If you do that, then you've done well. Yeah. You said Luke Combs, man, and that man's voice touches my soul Yeah, in a way that I've never, never had any other musician be able to touch my soul. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's funny. Um, so one of my, my mentor, um, right now, his name is Doug Johnson. He wrote, uh, he wrote Three Wooden Crosses. He wrote um, Love Like Crazy for Lee Bryce. He wrote um, If She's Lonely Now, She Won't Be Lonely Long. He's written a lot of amazing songs, songs that have transformed country music. And um, and 
it with you know i i I've always i want to write with him all the time i write i literally write with him all the time um my song the stories that they tell was written with him um my new song that's unreleased uh, there's a couple of songs that are unreleased that i've written with him but um but there's uh there's a guy by the name of Ray Fulcher who is also part of Black River, um, mm-hmm. the, the label I'm talking to, who my mentor is the head A&R guy for. Um, he's written a lot of Luke Combs songs, and I, I talked to uh, his name. So I talked to Doug Johnson all the time. I'm like, man, let's get in a room with Ray. Like, let's get. <laughs> I want to get in a room with Ray, man. Like he just he he writes he writes those songs I'm talking about. Those songs that tell a story that that you can literally feel and you can see that where you you know like. Um, songs that just bring up memories, man, that just, you know, just make you feel like you're back with like that person that you lost, that you love. And that's they, they, like stuff like that is just, it's a completely invaluable in country. I mean, you, you, we have to keep that because that's where the traditional style of country comes from. Oh, and that, that sense of like, you know, not only telling a story, but making people relate to it to where it's like yeah like i lost my grandpa or i lost you know this person or i had to leave at this you know i had to leave my family and go do this and you know it's just things like that like really really people being able to connect and ray is an amazing songwriter who can write things that people connect to yeah Um, he's written a lot of luke Combs songs um and yeah i mean he's 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 incredible man nice nice yeah you know i'm 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 getting back into the phase of my life where I'm connecting to my roots with music and, and, you know, my roots are, are oldies and country, you know? Yeah. And and that's, that is, is the ultimate all time, you know, great feeling. You know, I listen, like I said, I listen to everything. I listen to metal, death metal, rock, Mm -hmm. rap, you name it, but nothing touches me like, like country does. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's just something about it, man. There's just this, that story, you know, I mean, you, you hear that story and it's just like, man, this is like country. I feel like country music tells, tells stories better than anyone else. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Uh, and <laughs> a friend of mine once said that, uh, to be a good, a good country artist, you got, or to be a good songwriter, you gotta be a good liar too. Um, <laughs> because you're, you're either writing a song that, you know, is from your, your life or a song that's from someone else's life that you're lying about. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there, there's just it, at the end of the day, as a songwriter, especially being more of a country or Americana songwriter, um, you want to write songs that people can connect with. Um, and the easiest way for someone to connect with it is to tell a story about something that people understand. Um, and yeah, to find that is just—it's such an incredible feeling. Hell yeah! yeah. So if you if you had to do a lineup for a show that involved you. Yeah. Who would you put on that show with you? Uh, dang. It's a harder one. It's harder. So many great freaking artists out there. Um, I'm playing in the show, right? Yes. Yes. You're okay. in the show. Okay. okay. Um, I'm going to have, because of where I'm at um, artistically, and um, people knowing who I am and who, who are, you know, the, the amount of people that know who I am, I would have Luke Holmes headlining because he's going to bring in the numbers. Everyone knows who he is. Um, 
and again, he tells amazing stories, and I, I love his music. Um, Lanny Wilson would be involved because I love her music. I love her sound. Um, uh, and yeah, um, and then it would be um, – oh, man, this is so hard. Um, me for sure, in there somewhere. Um, that's so hard. There's so many great artists out there, man. Um, we can bring Lee Bryce out there. Why not? That'd be fun. Why not? Surprise. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I had I had no exposure to Lanny Wilson until Yellowstone. Yeah, her oh songs God. are great. I mean, her voice is amazing. It's it's like a. Uh, Almost like a like a younger ish Dolly Parton, which is amazing. You know, we don't we don't have that, and it, it's it's a breath of fresh air to have that back in the country music, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's where I get a lot of my my newer inspiration to listen to country music is from Yellowstone because they yeah. have a hell of a soundtrack, dude. <laughs> have you ever yeah, seen man. Yellowstone? I have, absolutely. Ah, such an awesome show. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I. I'm diving back into my roots and, and, you know, it's good. It's good to talk to somebody that's actually in the business that gets to see these things. And, and also, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that you, you're a vet too. Hey, I'm, I'm just lucky, man. I, I don't know literally like everything that has, I mean, from the beginning to the, to now, man, it's been, it's been a wild ride, man. Um, and it's been just been all uphill. I mean, it's been, you know, from from the moment that I first stepped on stage to um, where I'm at now. I mean, it's yeah, dude, it's been it's been blessing after blessing and, you know, random doors opening and then me just saying, screw it, man, let's do it. And I just dive into that damn door and see what happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, in this industry. When an opportunity comes, you have to be ready to jump. And I have no problem jumping right in and doing something. Um, you know, it's but more so in this in industry than I think anywhere else is you really have to throw yourself out there. Um, and, you know, because of being in, in like in the, you know, the public's view, you have to be real and raw with who you are. Um, if you're fake, people will figure it out very, very quickly. Um, especially industry people who have been around pe these people for a long time. Um, they will very quickly understand if you're being fake or being real. So when, you know, every single part of me, every single part of my act, every single part of everything that I do is 100% who I am. Um, it's never, e even with the songs that I record, it's never anything that's not me. Um, it's always like, even <laughs> so Doug, is the guy who kind of like walks me through everything about songs and stuff like that. And he has told me from the beginning and I've told him from the beginning that if we listen to a song and we're thinking about cutting it or we write a song, I'm not going to cut it and make it mine unless I really feel like it's mine. Um, yeah. Like there's a song that we just did uh, that we just cut. That's called good old dogs and God. And it's not my song. Uh, it was a song that was written by LB Shane and a couple other people. And um, it was written for uh, another band that you know is not around anymore. And um, it's a song about how, you know, a guy, you know, having a good dog by your side or having God by your side is really all you need. Um, 
And for me, I connect with it because of the fact that I've seen firsthand what a service dog or what a dog can do for someone who is a veteran or someone, someone who's going through a hard time. Like I have, I have buddies who like literally a dog saved their life, you know, mm-hmm. like they were, they were on the brink and then they, they got a service dog or they just got a dog, a pet dog. And it gave them that reason to still be here. So I, as soon as I heard that song, I was like, dude, absolutely. I want to cut that song. Like, let's do it. If, if you're giving it up, I'll, I'll take it hundred percent. So um, yeah, that song, we could just cut that song. But yeah, every song that I record is 100% of me. Um, it yeah, always will be, and I'll never do any, any songs that I don't feel I can, I can't relate to. Um, I, it, because at the end of the day, if I can relate to it and I can feel it, then other people will be able to as well. Absolutely. 100%. So before we go, man, where can we find you? Oh man. I'm, I'm all over the damn place. Um, so, so really, it's it, the easiest way to do it is to just follow um, at Scotty Hasting Music, whether it be on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, everywhere. And, um, but yeah, it's it's that's really the easiest way to do it because I'm always somewhere um, playing somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, um, I play a lot in Nashville, but there's no guarantee that on the weekend I'm going to be there. I might be out of town playing somewhere else. So it's, it's just, it's a lot easier just to, uh, until I can, you know, get like, you know, the, the, the label on board and really get touring dates and stuff like that. And right now it's just kind of like fly by the seat of your pants. Hey, I have this opportunity. You want to do it? Yes. And then, uh, kind of do it. Um, but yeah, right now it's just I'm a little bit of everywhere. Um, but Nashville is probably still the best bet, especially right now, because it's still slow season. So there's not a lot of traveling and playing right now. Um, so Nashville is probably still the best bet. Hell yeah! Um, down on Broadway is uh, yeah. Like I said, just follow me and you'll see. I play I play a lot down on Broadway, so uh, you'll be able to catch me there. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! If, when I make it back down to Nashville, I'm coming to see you, my friend. Hundred percent, man. Hell yeah. We great. Hell yeah. All right. Scotty, thank you for hanging out with me for this hour, dude. Yeah, I had a you. great time. Thank you for, for sharing your story, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Sure. And and everybody else, thank you for hanging out and and, and listening to Scotty's story, man. Uh it's always a blessing when we have new people on the show and and, and especially vets. I, I really appreciate it. So all right, y'all. Till next time. Much love.